let's jump right in. Do you have clients that get taken advantage of financially? Yes, this could be their children taking advantage of them, their other family members taking advantage of them. Maybe they get taken advantage of in business. Maybe you're thinking, hey, that's me. I often get taken advantage of. Well, this episode is all about financial therapy for the wealthy. And the reason why I say financial therapy for the wealthy, because a lot of people believe that when I say financial therapy, I'm talking about financial literacy. And they think that people are poor. P poor people need financial therapy. They don't understand that wealthy people need financial therapy just as much, if not more. And getting taken advantage of financially is one of the ways that you can see clearly how wealthy people also need financial therapy. Because let's face it, money is the number one cause of stress, where, whether you have a little of it or a lot of it. So that's why here on the Financial Therapy Challenge, we talk about all things financial therapy. Now we talk about a lot of, a little bit about a lot of different things, but the thing we talk about the most is financial therapy and how all of those little things have financial therapy associated with them or financial or money emotions associated with them. So welcome to Financial Therapy. I am your host, Kenei Quarter, the world's number one national certified counselor specializing in financial therapy for business success. I help financial professionals incorporate financial therapy into their existing approach so that they can have more clients that are loyal and committed to the plan. If that is you, you are in the right place. And we're going to talk about how your wealthy clients are getting taken advantage of. Now, I want to share with you that this episode was inspired by Shalene Johnson. She is a friend of mine. She was a business associate that became a friend and one of the most generous people I know. And when I say she's generous, I mean, she's generous with her knowledge. She's generous. She's generous with herself in a way. Now, if she heard me say she's generous with herself, she'll probably disagree because she is an introvert and she can be very private and, you know, and, and what is the word? Like she has her small group of friends, but there is a part of her that she is generous with. So yes, there are parts of her that she keeps private and close, but there are parts of her that she is just very generous with and she just shares with the world. Everybody who meets her thinks that they're going to be her best friend, even if it's for five minutes. <laughs> so in that five minutes in which she is going to spend with you, you are her best friend. But in episode 975 of the Shalene Johnson show, she talked about being taken advantage of by a realtor. So after listening to that podcast, I said, hmm, I should do an episode on this and I should go deeper. I was triggered partly because Shalene is my friend and I know her well. And she was pretty tough on herself. And it was like, not again, you know, kind of thing. Can't believe this happened again. She also went very therapeutic. She's like, oh, I need to talk to my, ther my therapist about some of these things. And I thought, well, why don't I do an episode from a financial therapy 
point of view because when she goes to talk to her therapist, her therapist is not going to give her financial therapy. Even if she went and talked to her financial advisor about getting taken advantage of financially, the financial advisor is not going to talk to her about the emotions. But lucky for her, she has a friend who is a financial therapist and who knows both sides, the emotional side and the money side or the fundamental side. And I can blend those two together. But what I know also is I know her. And if you are not getting to know your clients, I mean, to the point where they feel like you could be their therapist, you could be their friend, you could be their parent, you could be their partner. If they don't feel that way about you, then, then any financial advisor or professional, let's just say any professional could come out, come up and steal them away from you. I just heard a story recently about a um, financial advisor who an accountant brought a financial advisor into their office. And so his client wasn't, they didn't leave, but they got posed, you know, they got approached by their, their accountant. So the accountant went to the client and said, Hey, we just brought in a financial advisor. So now you can get everything done in one place. Just go ahead and move your money over here and we can do everything for you. Well, because this financial advisor had gone so deep with his client and he knew his client so well, the client came to him and just told him, hey, this is what's happening. This person is now offering this, just letting you know, but I'm staying with you. But just thought you should know because this, you know, it's a small community. So this accountant um, and this financial advisor have a few clients in common. So he might go and approach some of the other clients as well. So he just wanted to let him know, but because of how deep this man goes with his clients, that it's not going to be easy to steal his clients away. So that was just a, a little tip that I wanted to throw at you. If you have financial clients that aren't, they're not stuck with you. They are loose. <laughs> you want to make them pretty sticky so that they're like stuck with you. And part of the way you can do that is to really get to know them. Now, I said that this episode was inspired by Shalene Johnson, who is not a client of mine, but is a friend. And when I say a friend, I don't mean we hang out on the weekends. So I didn't get to know her because we hang out on the weekends. We spent a lot of time together. I got to know her by asking the right questions, listening to her, but also by using some of my skills that I use in financial therapy to, to pour deeper in. And then the second way that I got to know her is I was very generous upfront with my, with just me, you know, I matched her, right? She's very generous. I was very generous up front. So we got a chance to really get to know each other. Now we are both introverts. So this isn't about an extrovert kind of get to know you. Oh, you're my best friend. This is a deeper level. And because we both were willing to go on that deeper level, we got to know each other pretty quickly. Now we've been friends for a few years now. I think it's been three or four years. So we've had a chance to to get to know each other, but think about how long you've had clients. You've had clients a long time that you still don't know very well, that still wouldn't trust you, that still wouldn't come and tell you that a, a, another advisor tried to steal them away. So I'm saying all of that to know that trust is important. And 
a lot of times your clients don't think that you trust them. Mm, and you don't because you believe that they'll leave you. So, but that's not what this episode is about. I just wanted to give you that because that's an important part of what we're about to talk about. But let's talk about financial therapy for wealthy people or for the wealthy. Getting taken advantage of personally and professionally. Because like I said, some of these people are getting taken advantage of by their family members, their own children, um, maybe distant cousins, because they might be the only person in the family with money. Some of this has to do with your client's personality, their money mentality, their, you know, their own emotions around the money. They may have some survivor remorse. They may have some, they may still see themselves as the poor kid, which happens so very often. You can, you know how they say you can take the boy out the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out the boy. Well, that statement is true, especially when it comes to money, because even though you take them out of that environment of when they were poor, I listened to another podcast called uh, My First Millions, and one of the hosts, his name is Sam Parr, he, I don't think he grew up wealthy. Uh, I don't know how much money he had growing up, but I can tell by listening to him from a financial therapy standpoint that he often, um, he even said himself, he feels guilty about, these are his words, he feels guilty when he spends $2,000, let's say, on a jacket. This man has millions of dollars. He can easily spend $2,000 on a jacket and not affect his financial outcomes, right? He would still be okay, but there's still some guilt. That guilt is associated with the fact that he probably wouldn't have been able to buy a $2,000 jacket when he was growing up. Maybe his parents said, we can't afford it. Maybe they told him it was too expensive, but is the $2,000 jacket expensive or is it just outside of your price range, what you are able to spend, because there are very rare materials sometimes. And what if that jacket is made out of a rare material that you just can't get easily like cotton? So it might be more expensive. I'm trying to think of a material for some reason, my brain is not coming up with one. And let me tell you, I do know my luxury material sort of, but uh, for right now, I don't because, because the, 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 the level of rarity that I'm trying to think of. I'm not thinking of cashmere yet. Anybody can buy a cashmere sweater these days or jacket. I'm talking, I wanted to go more rare than that, but I just couldn't think of anything. If you think of something, put it in the, in the comments. But so if, if it is made out of a rare material or if they only made 10 in the world, or if, um, yeah, it, there's reasons why this jacket could be $2,000. But a lot of times people just look at it's $2,000, a jacket shouldn't cost that much. And so they feel some guilt or some shame um, around spending. So getting back to when you are taken advantage of personally or professionally, there are a couple of reasons why this happens. Again, I said survivor remorse. I said thinking back to when you did not have money. Um, also thinking about the fact that you, maybe not, this isn't, this is a, a, a impulse purchase. You haven't really thought this person this purchase through. So that's another reason. But in Shalene Johnson's episode, she talked about liking to be 
um, like an easy client. So she just, oh, we're, we're going to do business together. Okay. Let's do business together. What are we doing? Okay. Do that. Do that. Call me. Let me know how it goes. You know, all right. Yeah. This is going to be so much fun. Like she likes having fun. She likes things light. She is a trustworthy person. So she expects people to be trustworthy. But when you have money, what you're up against is even the most trustworthy person can be triggered by the fact that you're wealthy and their greed kicks in because they may not be around wealthy people that often. And so their greed kicks in. Listen for the emotions that I'm talking about because you should be taking notes on these emotions. Greed is one of them. So their greed kicks in while you're all in generosity, easygoing mode. They're in greedy mode and they're like, ooh. Okay, yeah, let's not talk about the price because I don't know what the price should be, but I know it should be high and I'm not going to charge what I usually charge because this person can definitely pay more, which makes no sense. And <laughs> I, I just don't like that because for me, no matter freaking what, no matter how much, whether my client makes you know a little bit of money or millions and billions of dollars, my price is my price. Why? Because I have a client journey. There's a journey I'm taking this client on. And if they pay, you know, a small amount, 500, 600 or whatever in the beginning, but they could pay 6,000, no problem. The reason why that doesn't matter is because they will be a client of mine for life. And talking about somebody like Shalene Johnson, she's worth more than the 500, 600, 10,000, whatever she would spend with you because, not because, oh, no, know your worth. I know my worth. No, none of that crap. You know, I don't believe in that. She's worth more because of how generous she is. She will share her network with you. She will share her time with you. She will share her energy with you. She will share, you know, but her story with you so you can learn from her. And so even though you might get 500, 600, thousands, you know, $15,000 out of her in that one transaction. If you are transactional, you miss out on the relationship. So I'm using Shalene Johnson because she was the inspiration for this episode. You might not know who she is. I'm bringing her up a lot. So you can listen to episode 975 of the Shalene Johnson show, and that'll give you some context of what I'm talking about. Also kind of get you to know who she is because she is very generous in this episode as well. She talks a lot about herself and because I was just going to show you what you should be looking for when you go to the Shilling Johnson show. That is that. So if you're watching this on uh, YouTube or LinkedIn, you got to see that picture and um, um, you also get to see my face and I would love to see your face. So if you are on LinkedIn or YouTube watching this, I would love for you to jump into the community because in the community, I do get to see your face and I do go live in the community a lot of times to record and, and answer your questions. And so I would get to see you and you get to see me. So that was number one, getting taken advantage of personally, but also professionally. But number two is, and I had already started talking about this, whose fault and whose responsibility. In the episode, Shalene says it was, she took a lot of responsibility and, and I applaud her for that and saying how she needed to talk to her therapist about it. And probably it's not a bad idea to talk to her therapist about it. I think there are some 20, 30% of it had to do with some trigger, some, you know, part of her that still has work to be done, but a good 
70, 80% of it was about the other person. The other person's greed kicked in. And so they saw her as a target. So she um, didn't know she was the target. She didn't know she was the prey. So she didn't know to, to be on guard. She was just being herself. So whose responsibility? Yes, it is the person, the, the wealthy person's responsibility to ask questions. But sometimes you don't even know what questions to ask. So I did an episode days ago. I don't know. It was not long ago. And I talked about, it's, it's, it's titled My Own Financial Therapy. So look for that. And I talked about how I had hired a operations and marketing company. And I didn't even know what questions to ask. I thought I had asked all the right questions, but it still turned out to be not a good situation. And so because of that, I sort of got taken advantage of. And this is something that happens in business for me, similar to Shalene, because I don't ask a lot of questions. And even when I do ask questions, sometimes I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know to ask, or I make some assumptions. Like when I talked about the, the, the team that we hired, I met them in a Kajabi workshop. So I had automatically assumed that we would be using Kajabi, but they used a different software. And so I made an assumption based on how I met them and somehow it didn't come up. So it wasn't my responsibility. I took responsibility just like Shalene took responsibility for what mistakes she made, but it is not all on us. It is not all on us because that person knew that, and I mentioned it, that person knew that Shalene wasn't thinking that the cost of what they were doing, and just so you know, some of the context, she was taken advantage of by a, a realtor, and the realtor did not find the property for her, but they did write up the contract, and then they price gouged, charging something like, I think it was like $13,000 for writing up the contract. Um, and, and they took an hour drive to the view of property for them. She suggests that if you are having an Airbnb relationship, that instead of just looking at the pictures, because let me tell you, I have gotten taken advantage of by Airbnb hosts several times. Oh, I have stories, but I'm not going to tell you here, but I, oh, I have stories. And so she's suggesting that you have somebody check it out. She had a realtor check it out. That person drove an hour to check it out. And then it was like, yes, we want it. And they, that person wrote up a contract. She found the Airbnb. She knew what she wanted. She knew she wanted to move forward. She had already negotiated with the person. They didn't have to do a lot of work, but they charged her something like thirteen or $14,000 for that and probably charged the other guy some money too. But they saw her coming. And when I say they saw her coming, that's like a saying, right? <laughs> for those of you who are literal like me, <laughs> You think I wouldn't have to explain that, and I probably don't, but because of how literal I am, um, yeah, I'm just explaining that for the people who are like me. So they saw her coming, and so they price gouged her. So it is her responsibility, but only 30, at best, 30% of that is her responsibility. The other 70% of that goes on the business owner to be fair, and that business owner wasn't fair. So it is not her fault. It is partially her responsibility. And I am putting some of the blame on the realtor. But what I'm really putting on the realtor is that the realtor needs to do their work 
to find out what's important to their client and, and, and to see the lifetime value of this client. Because if you are not getting to know your clients, and yes, if your client is transactional and this is all you're getting out of your client, you may go to your highest price or you may, you may even price gouge. I don't agree with it because this is the only thing that you're getting out of them. But you're probably not looking at the referrals. Are you talking to a center of influence? Are you talking to the type of person that everybody listens to? In my work, we call this person a leader. So are you talking to a leader? Um, are you talking to someone who would, I call them, th th this person is sort of like you know a, sh a showman or a reaper. Are you talking to somebody who just happens to make a lot of money? This is a reaper. Reaper just makes money easily. Right. And so if this person makes money easily, you probably have a lot of chances to do business with them because they're making more money. They got it somewhere, put it somewhere. They got they're going to need financial advice. You know, you're always going to be able to do business with them. Um, so you need to know who you're talking to. Now, let me since I'm going into assessments, let me go to number three. How how you do anything is how you do everything. That's a saying, maybe not exactly true, but it's very close to true. And so the personality and the money mentality is important. If you don't know your client's money mentality, then they're going to elude you. You might be thinking they're going to do one thing and they're going to do another thing. So if I had to guess, I would say at this point, Shalene is a president, which is the ideal money mentality. However, she does strike me as having some enthusiast, enthusiast um, traits, but also some artist traits. She would have to take the money mentality quiz in order for me to know for sure. I imagine if she took the money mentality quiz today in her current mind frame, she would test as a, a, a president because she has so much harmony between the different areas of the money cycle, which I define the money cycle as earn, grow, protect, gift, and enjoy your money. Shalene does not go from earning it to enjoying it. She has had a, a plan in place for growing her money. Um, she does have multiple streams of income. So when it comes to earning, it's not just one way of earning the money because when that one way goes away, then so does the money. No, she has multiple streams of income. She does have a growth and savings plan in, in place. She does have ways of protecting her money. And this subject that we're talking about right now falls under protection. And this is probably where she is... Um, challenged. And this, an enthusiast and an artist both have a challenge with this protection. A hero does too. She doesn't necessarily strike me as a hero though. Hero, Heroes like to take care of your needs. Like they'll pay somebody's mortgage, somebody's car note. They'll get somebody out of a, a jam that is a need. Um, enthusiasts are more around wants. Like they will, you know, pay for vacation for people to go just because that, that's my friend. I want my friend going. I'll just pay for it. Um, kind of like that. Or an artist is more like, oh, we'll talk about the money later. Let's just have some fun. And then we'll, we'll look at the bill later. Or maybe they, a hero won't ask for the price because they don't want somebody to think they don't have the money. So they may not ask for the price up front. 
Um, Shalene strikes me as that kind of person. So again, I said we were friends, but remember I said we don't hang out on the weekend. So I don't have insight into how she relates to the friends that she does hang out on the weekend with. But this is something you want to get to know about your clients, because the more you know this about your clients, the more you'll be able to help them manage those emotions. When I say manage those emotions, I don't mean suppress those emotions. I don't mean eliminate those emotions. I said manage them. So if this brings her joy to take her friend on a vacation with her and her friend maybe doesn't make the same amount of money she does, then let her have that joy. But just plan for that. Prepare for that. And, and the same is true if we know that she doesn't ask for price up front, then maybe have something in place where you're the person she comes to like, hey, I am about to get this Airbnb. I talked to a realtor. They're going to do this, this, and this. And can you talk to them for me? So if you already have that relationship with them, they're already, you're, you're already on their payroll. They're already paying you whatever you agreed on. This is not about price. We will talk about that in another episode. Then you want that, you want that phone call to come because if you save your client money because i'm telling you if she would have heard that the price is going to be thirteen thousand dollars she wouldn't have said yes she would have been like what to write a contract like are you freaking kidding me like is this johnny cockroach firm even charge that like what so um mr realtor you know like the only you know how many realtors they are in florida so um, so you could have that relationship where they would call you because I can tell you that Shalene does not want to have that conversation with that realtor. And so she needs to put systems in place, a person, a, somebody in place who does want to have those conversations. She likes to keep her business deals light and fun and enjoyable. And she doesn't want to come off as the, 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 the you know, like the mean, strict B a-hole, you know, that person, business person, that's not who she wants to be. She doesn't want to be that kind of client and she doesn't want to be that kind of business person. So she didn't say these words to me. I know this about her. So this is how well you need to get to know your client. So if you know this about them, then you can be the bad guy. You can be the bad cop and, and they can continue to have fun in their business deals you see? <laughs> so look, look at their personality, look at their money mentality and help them see that, no, you go ahead, continue to have fun. Just sick me on them. If you need more details, I'll know what questions to ask. Now, if you are afraid that it, it will then like, we'll be moving back to this one and we'll be talking about whose fault and whose responsibility. If you get afraid of that, if you're like, oh, wait, I don't want them to blame me if something goes wrong. Then again, get to know your clients. No, they know, like, and trust you. You know, like, and trust them. You guys have to have conversations about what goes down and what, what needs to happen. Mistakes will happen. And if your clients are not clear that mistakes will happen, then that means that you guys don't know each other not well enough to tell the truth and be honest with each other. Three and four, what's really important and how to get love. So I blended these two together because I was talking about the money mentality, right? And you heard what I was saying. So just so you know, the money mentality, I told you about the money cycle, earn, grow, protect, gift, and enjoy your money. The money mentality, the money mentality types are about how you navigate the money cycles. 
which one of those do you navigate well? Where are your strengths? And then where are your challenges? And then the, the money mentality types, they also talk about how you use money to get love. And how you use money to get love is going to determine how you navigate the money cycle. And how you navigate the money cycle is going to determine your money mentality, your money reality. So what's really important in how to get love? Now, what's really important to your clients, they're going to tell you the, you know, what they believe in. It might be maybe they love to travel. Maybe they love to um, spoil their children. Maybe they, they, for me, like me, I spend a lot of money on my business. I don't spend money on myself as much. You hear me talk about like how many times have you seen these earrings, right? I don't buy myself jewelry, uh, this necklace, this dress. You've probably seen it a million times. I don't have to go shopping a lot of clothes. I love really quality clothes, but I don't need a lot of them. At least not right now in my life. There have been times when I have um, and, but travel, I have to travel. And I'm talking about when I say have to, I'm talking about, I have to, and I want, um, I want to enjoy it. Like I want it to be luxury. It doesn't have to be ultra super luxury, but it needs to be nice, like really nice. And so get to know your clients as to where they will spend money. You, they may not spend money on clothes. But if you happen to, we used to have what was called a capture account and a spending account when I was at Morgan Stanley. So you do have your investment accounts, but we had banking and we wanted to see our clients. So even if they weren't, if they weren't doing all their banking with us, then we at least wanted to aggregate and be able to see all the accounts. So we knew what was going on. But if they don't know, like, and trust you and you don't know, like, and trust them, then this kind of relationship is going to be tough. You're not going to be able to ask them to aggregate. Now, I don't know if your company has an aggregate system or if, you know, if you do, then you should be able to see all of their accounts in one place. And that way you can really advise them on what to do. But if you start to see irregular activity in an account, like if you saw me all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'm going shopping, shopping, shopping all the time. What is that about? What's going on with Kane? This way it brings, it's a red flag. It brings up, oh, there must be some emotions going on. Oh, she must be feel, trying to fill voids. What's happening? Oh, she really hasn't been traveling lately. So she switched that over here and started spending on clothing. Let's get her traveling because this is not going to bring her joy. She's going to end up overspending too much and then it won't be good. And, and then she's also vulnerable for people to take advantage of her. So this is where I was going with this. So if there are a lot of voids there, there's a lot more possibility for your clients to get taken advantage of because they're voids. Now, this is not the case with Shalene. She doesn't have a lot of voids. She is living her best life right now. She has worked really hard in the past. You tell stories about it. Um, she is a self-proclaimed workaholic. Um, I don't think any, I don't, oh yeah, I do think of a, a therapist diagnosed her with that, but doesn't matter. She she has claimed that. She has said that, uh, that awareness about herself. And because of that workaholism, um, now she's doing the opposite of that. She's playing, playing, playing. Now, some people will say work once a, 
you know, like workaholic, always a workaholic. It isn't true. You can definitely change that. Some financial therapy, specifically self-seek financial therapy. Because let me tell you, generic, regular financial therapy. When I say generic, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that just like tissue versus Kleenex, right? So if you go get tissue, financial therapy, generic financial therapy, tissue, you're going to get one thing. But if you go get Kleenex, which is self-sync financial therapy, you're going to get something else. So self-sync financial therapy is going to help you clear those old patterns. And that pattern of being a workaholic can be taken away. But when you have voids in your life, you are more open to be taken advantage of. So you really want to get clear on those those um, voids. And I put in the, in the description how you get love. So how you get love is not, it's, it's kind of like your love languages, but with when it comes to money, you might be the type of person that says, oh, I'm really responsible for, with money, so I should be loved for being responsible. Oh, I'm really generous with money. I buy the bar, so I should be loved. Oh, I, I help a lot of people. I rescue a lot of people. I should get loved. Oh, I don't talk about money. I make money. Not a problem. We don't even have to talk about that. Mm -mm, let's just keep going. That's so I should get loved. You see what I'm explaining? You, the way you handle money is also the way you get love. Now, does that mean you're doing the right thing? Sometimes yes, but sometimes no, because it's not about right or wrong. It's about strength and challenge. When is this a strength of yours? When is this a challenge of yours? So please don't look at it as doing the right thing and the wrong thing as much as when is this going to be appropriate and when is this not appropriate? And this, the strength is all around the when it's appropriate, right? So if you use it in the times that is appropriate, it is a strength. If you use it at times when it's inappropriate, it is a challenge. And you need to be looking at that for your clients and helping them to see that too. It's a lot of information here, right? Ah, but this was such a great episode. I suggest you listen to episode, uh, what did I say, 975 of the Shalene Johnson Show because it, it, especially if you are a financial advisor, because this is this gives you a chance to listen to a multimillionaire talk about themselves in a way that is a lot more vulnerable and open. And not in that like, oh, I'm a big shot. Because a lot of times when your clients come to you, they're going to come to you. I'm a big shot and, and you can't tell me what to do. Um, but you, you're going to need to one up them because in their world, they are a big shot. But in your world, in your financial therapy world, your financial planning world, you are the leader. You are the ultimate. And not that they need to acquiesce or bow down to you, but you're the expert, you're the authority. And because you are the authority, you are going to bond with them and help them to use their strengths and, and improve their challenges enough so they're not holding them back or getting in the way so that they can reach their idea of the presidential lifestyle. And that is really what your job is. Your job is to help them determine what their presidential lifestyle is and then put them on a path to get there. Number five, balancing, saving money and enjoying life. So Shalene talked a little bit about this in the episode. And I think she alluded to a book that she was reading. And 
I think what happens sometimes is that financial advisors get really strict about the savings, right? Like don't drink coffee. That's a very, that's not a financial advisor. That's a personal finance. I want to be clear on that. Personal finance people get really strict about spending money, but financial advisors usually get really strict about investing money, right? And whether you're saying, don't do this thing you enjoy, put it in your investments, or don't do this thing you enjoy, save money, pay off debt, whatever you're saying, you are going to create voids. So if they do too much on that, like saving and don't do enough on the enjoy life part, then they are going to feel deprived. And if they feel deprived, what will then happen is they will get um, they will gorge and that puts them in a position where they can get taken advantage of. So I'm giving you all the places where your clients are being vulnerable enough to get taken advantage of. So just be listening for that is a lot of information here. You may even have to listen to this episode more than once, but also you may need to listen to this episode at a different time in your life where some of these things will mean more to you. I could be planting seeds and later water them and then later harvest them. So this is all is new to you and it feels very heavy. Don't you worry. The more you listen to me, the more it will get unpacked and it will unfold and the more it will make sense. But most importantly, if this is easy for you to understand, if you know, no, no, Kenny, I got this. I totally got this. All Everything you say makes sense. I'm just having a hard time making it make sense to my clients. Um, I'm going to tell you about that. We're going to talk about how to make things make sense to your client. But before we do that, let me just wrap up five and give you number six, and then we will wrap this whole thing up. I did not realize this is going to be this detailed and this long, but I really wanted to make sure that as a wealthy person, if you're a wealthy person listening to this, then you understand why you still need financial therapy. And if you are a financial professional listening to this, why your wealthy clients need financial therapy. And maybe even you're hearing yourself in some of these things that I'm saying, because, you know, don't be the dentist that doesn't, don't, doesn't get their own dental work done. Don't be the doctor that doesn't you know, stay healthy. Don't be the financial advisor that doesn't have financial therapy. Practice what you preach. And as I was saying, finishing up, wrapping up number five, balancing, saving money and enjoying life if you deprive your clients too much they will be it will be easy for someone to poach them um as another financial advisor pull them out and bring you know take them because they're not enjoying the pri the planning process but also it would be easy for some business or personal for somebody to pull them because they have such a void and they don't feel like they're getting or giving love and they're gonna want to feel that so they're going to you know find ways to feel like they're giving and receiving love. And that is an emotion that you can't see if you don't know them. But if you know them really well and you ask them the financial therapy questions that I give you in our, um, our discovery call, then you'll know that. You'll know all of this about them. This is like so much fun for me, like being able to give you all of this. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. So let's move on to number six so we can really wrap this up. What emotions can you control as the advisor? <laughs> so 
your clients are going to have emotions, right? It's inevitable. They're going to have them. Earlier, I said your job is to help them manage them, not take them away, not eliminate them. So I want you to understand that, first of all, as the advisor, whatever place you play in their life as their advisor, the first thing that you want to do is awareness. Just help them become aware of some of these things that we've already talked about. So the awareness is super important. And then the second thing that you should be focused on is having them accept. Oh, I accept like my responsibility, my um, where, what, what am I supposed to do in this relationship? Help them understand their responsibility and accept their responsibility. You could even have them um, sign something that says, this is my responsibility. This is your responsibility because that helps balance the emotions too. Because when they come to you and they're all emotional, when you'll need to get emotional with them, like, oh, I can't believe that happened. That's so terrible. Don't go straight into logic. Like, oh, you must feel really bad. Oh, right. So the emotions that you can control of theirs is zero. You can't control any of their emotions. You can help them manage their emotions. You can also, you can have some empathy for their emotions. And again, you can make them aware. You can help them accept their emotions. And the third thing that you can help them do is adjust. Now that goes back to the management. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have the emotions. It means how do they get out of the emotion once they have them? And this is going to go back to what's important. What is important? What is important? What's really important? I don't mean important for the day. I mean, what's really important? What is the target? Because what you want to do is make sure your clients are focused on the target, not the arrow. Focus on the target, not the arrow. And a lot of times the arrow, that is the path to the target, right? The arrow is kind of like them, that, you know, the, that's the arrow. But the target is where the big picture, right? Where they are going and if they could just focus on the target. Now, keep in mind that the target may have some milestones along the way because in my work, I will teach you to not, focus too far in the future because that sometimes is not enough to keep people connected. You'll have to have some milestones along the way, but those will also be little mini targets. Way too much information for you right now. This is stuff that goes into your program. I just want you to understand because I don't want you to go out here trying to say you are financial therapy informed and you are not. So I don't want to give you too little information, but I also don't want to give you too much and overwhelm you. So I'm going to wrap it up right here. So what emotions can you control as the advisor? Zero, your own. Those are the emotions that you can control. You can't control any of your client's emotions. The only emotions you can control are yours. And as an advisor, you do get triggered. So you need to practice what you preach. Do some of your own work. Make sure your financial therapy is in place. Make sure you know your idea of the presidential lifestyle and you work to manage your own emotions so that when your clients do get emotional, you can help them out and get them out of those emotional crises. And the biggest thing that I want you to take away 
is to just really understand that if you can't, this makes sense to you, right? First of all, if this doesn't make sense to you, I want you to keep listening. It's like I said earlier, I just dropped some seeds. If this does make sense to you, if you're like totally connect, I totally get this. I've been saying this, but I just don't know how to implement it into my practice or I can't make it make sense to my clients, then book a discovery call. That would be your next step with me. You and I need to talk and I can show you the power of financial therapy. Some of that is going to be to show it by example. You get to experience a financial therapy session. I'll walk you through understanding your own idea of the presidential lifestyle. And then I'll show you how you can do this with your clients. And then from there, if you think, oh, I definitely want to do this more and I, there's there's something here, then we can decide then whether we move forward or how we move forward. But tell me in the comments or in the community, how have you, or let's just say, have you ever had a client that got taken advantage of financially? Have you ever had a client that got taken advantage of financially? Now, I didn't even talk about like how older people get taken advantage of yeah, or how other you maybe have met with a, a client and their own financial advisor is taking advantage of them. And you're like, oh my God, I got to get this person away from their financial advisor. How do I do that without telling them how snaky their financial advisor is, right? Because sometimes that makes you look bad, especially if they kind of trust the person. Oh, that's a whole nother episode. But just tell me in the comments, yes or no, have you ever had a client that got taken advantage of? And then here's your field work. I would like for you to, when it comes to money, what are you afraid of? I want you to ask a client, one of your favorite clients, one of your faithful clients, if you haven't already found this out about them, ask them, when it comes to money, what are you afraid of? Ask them that question so that if they haven't thought about it before, they can begin to think about it. And if they know the answer, they can share it with you. So then you guys can go, a little bit deeper. So there is just a few more days left in joining the community for free. It, depending upon when you're listening to this, it might already be done over, gone. It's fully worth it at the full price. So there's so much going on in the community right now. And I, I think that you can tell that there's a lot that you and I need to talk about. And depending upon where you are, if you're like, I am ready, I need this, I'm ready to take my, my business to the next level, I'm ready to have clients that are committed to the plan and my practice, because I pour a lot into my clients. And so if I bring you in, if, if I trust you client enough to bring you into my practice and put all that time and energy into you, then I need you to stay. I need you to stay here and I'm invested in you. So I need you to stay. And so if, if you have been investing in kind get, because acquiring a client is expensive. Yeah, it costs money. So, and you don't, if you don't know how much it costs you to acquire a client, you probably would really need to look at that because you need to be putting that into your price. But you also need to look at how long they need to stay with you in order for you to break even on that because there was a cost to acquire that client. And if they don't stay with you, this is why I say you need to know, like, and trust them. Because if they don't stay with you, then they co it costs you more money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right, but that's a whole nother episode. We're going to talk about pricing uh, soon. Right now, I cannot believe you and I got to spend this much time together. Thank you so much for staying all the way to the end. And if you want more, subscribe, like, you know, do all the things, jump into the community. But if you want a lot more, then let's you and I book a discovery call together. There's a link in the description of the, the notes. Just click that link and it'll take you there. And you and I can go deeper and really get you to your idea of the presidential lifestyle. So I'll see you tomorrow or next week. <laughs> I will see you sooner. Let's go with that. See you sooner.